You're listening to Mount Carmel Baptist Church's weekly Sunday worship service message at 11 a.m. Mount Carmel is located in Demarest, Georgia. To learn more, visit mtcarmeldemarest.com or facebook.com forward slash mtcarmeldemarest. Thanks for listening. 26 through 38, I want to preach to you this Mother's Day a sermon that I've simply entitled The Unexpectedness of Motherhood. The Unexpectedness of Motherhood. Every Mother's Day since I've been here, I've prefaced this sermon with the following, and I mean it more than ever before. Mother's Day is a tough time for many. Some are struggling with infertility or mourning a miscarriage or the death of a child. Some are considering or undergoing the challenging process of fostering or adopting children. Some are single parents doing their absolute best. Some want to be married and have children. Some step-parents just want their children to value them. Some have had an abortion, placed a child for adoption, have grown distant with their children. Or mothers, for complicated reasons, are just estranged. Some are going through their first Mother's Day. And some are going through their first Mother's Day without their moms. I had one lady in our church, Precious, she told me this years ago, and I kept it. She said, my mother passed away some 35 years ago, and even now, Mother's Day is a hard day to celebrate. Both negative and positive memories and emotions feel Mother's Day. There's no denying whether negatively or positively, moms have a significant impact on all around them. Today we're going to look at a special mother in God's holy word. Protestants, which we're a part of, we give little attention to Mary, the mother of Jesus, unless it's Christmas or it's a nativity scene. Protestants largely avoid Mary because many of us are squeamish about the level of attention that the Catholic Church gives her. However, it is to our detriment not to study this extraordinary woman. Mary becomes a remarkable mother to love, nurture, and support such a unique son who would cause her her greatest joys and her greatest sorrows. Mary, the mother of Jesus, was a young, newly engaged, yet unwed Jewish virgin from a small, obscure town called Nazareth, a city where those of lowly origin lived. Mary came from a poor family, a family who likely struggled to make ends meet, because many know the end of the story, a sense of detachment creeps in to Mary's story. We often forget her profound humanness, the shock and awe of what it would have been like to have a son. We forget that Mary, the mother of Jesus, was not always Mary, the mother of Jesus. Mary is unexpectedly given the great responsibility of bringing a human life into the world, period. Right? You don't have to bring the unique son of God in the world to be scared to death. Right? You're having a son. You're having a daughter. Get ready. Life's about to change. Her story stretches beyond being the mother to Jesus to an exemplary mother. 
that all men and women can relate to. What caused a company Mary's mother I want to give just a brief survey this morning on some highlights between Jesus and his mother Mary. Let's read the first one, Luke chapter 1, verses 26 through 38. It says this, In the sixth month the angel Gabriel was sent by God to a town in Galilee called Nazareth, to a virgin engaged to a man named Joseph of the house of David. The virgin's name was Mary. And the angel came to her and said, Greetings, favored woman. Note that, favored woman. The Lord is with you. But she was deeply troubled by the statement, wondering what kind of greeting this could be. And the angel told her, Do not be afraid, Mary. For you have found favor with God. Again, notice the word favor. Now listen, you will conceive and give birth to a son, and you will name him Jesus. He will be great and will be called Son of the Most High, and the Lord God will give him the throne of his father David. He will reign over the house of Jacob forever, and his kingdom will have no end. Mary asked the angel, How can this be, since I have not had so relations with a man? The angel replied to her, The Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. Therefore, the Holy One to be born will be called the Son of God. And consider your relative Elizabeth, even she has conceived a son in her old age. And this is the sixth month for her who was called childless. In verse 37, for nothing will be impossible with God. And then notice Mary's beautiful reply to this, I mean, a left hook of a message that was given to her. She says, see, I am the Lord's servant, said Mary. May it happen to me as you have said. Now, that's a loaded statement. She doesn't know what all is involved, number one, in motherhood, and then number two, with Jesus. And she said, may it all happen to me. She is accepting the mantle of motherhood. And then the angel left her. The very first thing I want you to make in this text and write it down, and then we're going to look at several other unexpectedcies. This, the first unexpectedcy was an unexpected pregnancy. An unexpected pregnancy. Pregnancy. When Mary became pregnant, it would have most certainly been a social stigma. Sexual purity was the indispensable element of a woman's virtue and honor in Mary's world. And we note this in John chapter 8, verse 41. Just write it down. John chapter 8, verse 41. That Jesus himself, her son, endured taunts regarding the irregularities of his birth. Listen to what the Pharisees said. You're doing what your father does. And then they say, we weren't born of sexual immorality. We have one father, God. Did you notice what they believed about Jesus? Is that he was born outside of wedlock. They knew something was up, irregular, with his birth. Joseph, Mary's fiancé, might have planned to break off the engagement and quietly spare Mary any unnecessary shame. And think about this. If she thought, right now, they haven't had the opportunity to collude. They haven't had the opportunity to talk over this unexpected pregnancy. Mary agrees with the angelic messenger saying, may it be done to me 
And she knows full well this could mean that Joseph leaves me. And here's what I appreciate about Mary. She was ready to have Jesus as a single mom. May it be done to me. This is the Lord's will. And I'll embrace it. Nevertheless, we know the story in Joseph. He's visited by an angel. He accepts that this is for the will of God. And they go on to Mary. But even more importantly, if you know the story, and you follow the story of, of Jesus, you'll know Joseph isn't anywhere in his ministry. Most people think, and I believe it's correct, that Joseph, Jesus' father, his earthly father, passed away when Jesus was young. And that Jesus was taking care of his mother. So you have to think of this. She had already been, and most of the stories we read in the gospel, was, had raised Jesus and his large family, probably without Joseph. Mark chapter 6, verse 3. We can know how important this is. Listen to Mark 6, 3 right now. Isn't this, we're talking about Jesus, isn't this the carpenter, Jesus, the son of Mary and the brother of James, Joseph, Judas, and Simon, and aren't his sisters here with us? So they were offended by him. Now that did not catch us off guard, but in this patriarchal society, everybody was known by their daddy's name. And notice how Jesus went around. He wasn't Jesus, son of Joseph. He was Jesus, son of Mary. He was known by his mother. Mary valued God's word more than any of the shame and the challenges it would be to bear and raise the Son of God. Number two. Number two, an unexpected child. An unexpected child. I like to kind of use my sanctified imagination and think that our Savior had his happy moments. Just a little. In Luke chapter 2, verses 32 through 35, we get to see Jesus' first day at church. Now I'm using a little bit of exaggeration there. But eight days after Jesus' birth, Mary and Joseph took him to, to the temple to be consecrated to the Lord. And there was an old man in the temple court named Simeon. After Simeon, he snatches up Jesus and celebrates that he got to see the Savior whom God would redeem the whole world through. Simeon then looks at Mary. So, you catch this scene for a minute? Can I just catch this? If that happened today, I'd be getting phone calls and emails tomorrow. Some old guy in the foyer snatches your baby out of your hands and starts to prophesy over him at church. He's like, give me back my baby. <laughs> but in that prophecy, listen to what Simeon tells Mary. Luke chapter 2, verses 34 through 35. And Simeon blessed him and told his mother Mary, indeed, this child is destined to cause the fall and rise of many in Israel, and to be a sign that will be opposed, and a sword will pierce your own soul, that the thoughts of many hearts may be revealed. Simeon had said, Jesus, so Jesus is going to be a heartbreaker, but not a good one. He's going to break your heart. Maybe. The last bit. Was new. So far, every message that God had given Mary was a celebratory message. And here's the first poem of 
sorrow and suffering. Expected, married. Expected. Raising Jesus meant she had to instill in her perseverance through suffering. Then think about what happens next. Because of their son, they were essentially political refugees in Africa. A murderous King Herod is out to kill their son. What do they do? They take up the whole family and relocate to Egypt. This is within the first year of this kid being born. You see this? Unexpected. Then, there's probably my favorite story of Jesus in his youth. I simply entitled it, Home Alone, Jesus Lost in Jerusalem. Jesus is 12 years old and he's left in Jerusalem all by himself. This is Luke chapter 2, verses 48 through 50. It says, when his parents, Jesus' parents, saw him, they were astonished. And his mother said to him, son, why have you treated us like this? Your father and I have been anxiously searching for you. They literally lost Jesus. Why were you searching for me, he asked them. Didn't you know that it was necessary for, for me to be in my father's house? But they did not understand what he said to them. This is a terrifying thing, and I, I, I know it's going to happen to us one time, right? Where you go to reprimand your child, and your child speaks back to you and tells them, it's okay. I'm doing God's will. He was in the temple debating scholars of law, who probably later in his life would persecute him and kill him. It's an amazing story. And here, Jesus her 12-year-old son reminds her, listen, that his attachment to the Lord would eclipse his attachment to his own family. He reminded her that he did not belong exclusively to her. According to John chapter 2, verse 11, Mary raised expectations of Jesus and actually prompted his first miracle. I love seeing the dynamics of grown Jesus with his mother. They're at a wedding in Cana. They have run out of wine. Mary knows there's something special about her son. And she essentially begs Jesus on. Do something about it. Do something about it. And Jesus essentially says, woman, it's not my time to reveal my glory. And then she looks at the servants and goes, just do what he tells you to do. I mean, she just pushes him out there and talks about it. Do it! Show them. And what does Jesus do? I think he's had a sincere love for his mother. He obliges her and turns the water into wine. Matthew and Mark tell an episode in which Jesus redefines the family. Now, think about this. I can tell you how this response would have went over in my family if I told my mom what Jesus about said. Listen. Jesus is out there preaching, and his mother and brothers want to have a word with him. You know, Jesus, Jesus, hey, your mom's out back, and she'd like to talk to you for a second. And listen to what Jesus tells the crowds. While he was speaking with the crowds, his mother and brothers were standing outside wanting to speak to him. This is in Matthew 12, 46 through 50. Someone told him, look, your mother and your brothers are standing outside wanting to speak to you. And he replied to the one who was speaking to him. He answers him, Who is my mother and who are my brothers? 
Stretching out his hand toward the disciples, he said, Here are my mother and my brothers, for whoever does the will of my Father in heaven is my brother, my sister, and my mother. I can only imagine how painful it was to hear, to have Mary hear that. That that's how it was, he responded to her call. It had to disappoint her when he stayed inside teaching God's word and did not break away to talk to her. It was just another occasion where this idyllic wife of this amazing son was not going to meet Mary's expectations. Number three, there's an unexpected death. An unexpected death. In John chapter 19, verses 25 through 27, you can find Mary at the end of Jesus' life. Not meeting up for lunch at a construction site or living with Jesus and his two and a half kids in Nazareth. But we see Mary at the cross. The echo of Simeon's prophecy. Mary witnessed her child suffer and die the most shameful death. Crucifixion was the lowest form of execution. It was reserved for thieves and murderers. The crucifixion would disgrace a whole family name. And although her heart was breaking, she remained present at the cross, showing Jesus a loving face in a mocking mob, reminding her son he's not alone. Mary may have hoped that Jesus would save himself. She knew, not in a mocking way, I know you're the Savior. Save yourself, Jesus. Come off that cross. And then she faced the realization at some point, church, once you get this, she knows he has these amazing powers. Some moment she has to accept the fact while she's at Calvary, I will outlive my child. I'll outlive my child. And in that moment, Jesus entrusted Mary to her, to his best friend, John. That was not a part of her biological family. If, if, if you've got to look at it from Mary's advantage point, from Luke 1 onward, there was nothing about Jesus' life that probably met up to Mary's expectation. Fleeing from Herod, right? A son who at times would be at her beck and call and then look at her another day and be like, I've got to teach God's word. And then all of a sudden, his life's cut off short. Seemingly none of the prophecies fulfilled. And that's where we have to get number four. There is an unexpected resurrection. Totally didn't expect this either. Some biblical commentators think that Jesus did not appear to Mary. Did you notice that? Have you ever read the whole Gospels in 1 Corinthians 15? There's not a single text in all Scripture that says, and Jesus, after he was raised, went and told his mom he was okay. We don't have that. I'll tell you right now, if I came from back from the dead and didn't tell my mom, I'd be in trouble. But this should show you the extraordinary faith of Mary. Now, I do think in 1 Corinthians 15, uh, verses 3 through 8, it says that he appeared to 500 people at one time. That she had minimally had to be a part of that group as a, as a part of the disciples' band. But nevertheless, we have no explicit statement in all Scripture that he would meet one-on-one with Peter and James, even his brother James. And we have no word whether he met with Mary or not. 
That's crazy. Now, I think of just my hunch, I have no biblical reason. He had to be his mom. If he could be killed again, she'd kill him. <laughs> you know how even more extraordinary it is? this? What if he never appeared to her? And she simply took the disciples' word that he did. That's faith. Oh, I believe in my son, he can do it. We at least know this. If we have to doubt whether Mary believed he was raised or not, the last time she was mentioned in scriptures, Acts chapter 1, verses 13 through 15, Acts 1, 13 through 15, we see Mary in the upper room with Jesus' 11 disciples, plus the newly chosen 12th disciple, the women who had accompanied him and helped support his ministry, and then about 100 other devoted followers of Jesus, along with his half-brothers. Mary was in the very first early prayer meeting of the church of Acts. That's fascinating. It means this. She kept the faith throughout all the unexpectancies of motherhood. The unexpected presence, the pregnancy, the unexpected child, the unexpected death, and the unexpected resurrection. Where do we find her at the end of her record? Right there in church. Still being faithful. Mary's trust in her son as Savior and God has to be the most incredible form of worship. She is with the disciples, the family of God, praying. And I love this. Notice Luke. Luke wrote both Luke and Acts. In Luke chapter 1, she is being overshadowed by the Holy Spirit to, be, to, to miraculously conceive the Son. And in Acts chapter 1, she's praying to the Holy Spirit that the Holy Spirit would feel her. Wow. What an amazing transformation. Mary was there at the birth of our Savior and she was there at the birth of His church. And I want to encourage you. Mary found life after death in the resurrection of Jesus and so will all of you. I saw a little post this week you know about the past two months and the miscarriage that we experienced. And I just love the thought of this because of Mary's story and Jesus' story that our baby has only known the arms of Jesus. That's amazing. Here's what I want you to know. Write it down. Take it home with you. Is God gave her grace to handle the unexpected. God gave her grace to handle unexpected. Remember those words I had you emphasize in your text, Luke chapter 1? You're a favored woman. God has favored you, Mary. Sadly, because of our idea with the term favor, we think that, oh, Mary was just one of God's favorite women walking the earth. That's not how that text works. The word for favor there in the Greek text comes from the root word charis, which is grace. Mary, you are highly graced. God has graced you, Mary. Mary was not chosen because she was God's favorite. She was not given favor because somehow she could be a better mother. Like all other great 
men and women of the Bible who were called to live beyond their abilities. It was God's grace working in her that caused her to be faithful and to raise the fully human, fully Son of God. This grace, this favor on Mary would be the driving force and her source of strength throughout her life. Life would be far from easy, but she could rest assured she had God's grace. When we look at Mary's life, we have to ask, what woman could put up with all of that? And the answer is this, only a woman filled with and showered with the grace of God. Mary's life stands in this, as a testimony of God's grace for and through all the unexpected trials of motherhood. Mary, the favored, was not favored for just the initial term of her pregnancy. She was given God's grace to withstand all that the future would entail for her. Mary was an imperfect mother. Listen to this, moms. She was an imperfect mother and still had a perfect son. And still had a perfect son. Why? Because of God's grace. Because of God's grace. But I want to tell you, Mom, there is grace enough for you too. There is grace enough for you too. God's grace for the unexpectedness of motherhood is for all of us here today. On this side of the cross of Jesus, favor is not bestowed upon certain people at certain times, but the grace of God that cleanses us from all sins and brings us into this intimate relationship with God. This grace is offered to everyone who will repent of their sin and trust Mary's son Jesus as their Savior. You can know and experience this grace. Church, we're able to persevere through the trials of life, the calls of this favor. We're able to rest with our lousy efforts, right? Because of the grace of God. May you and I trust in God's grace in Jesus. And in reply to today's message, as Mary replied to the angelic messenger, here's what I want you to think about. I want everybody to be able to say it this way, just with Mary. Because God has promised us His grace, can we say this? May it, may it, the unexpected pregnancy, may that unexpected child, may the unexpected death of my child, may His unexpected resurrection, may it all be done to me. May it all be done to me, just as you said. Why? Because she trusts the grace of God. I'm going to ask every head bowed and every eye closed. God's grace is amazing. That's why the church always sings about the grace of God. I just want you to know, no matter what you've done, who you are, whether your, your kids dote on you, or you're one of the ones that has that complicated relationship with your son or daughter, I just want you to know that there's grace for that. There's grace to amend it, and there's grace to endure it. And you say, where's this fountain of grace that flows so freely? It's through Emmanuel's veins. It's through Jesus, God with us at the cross, absorbing all the penalty, the punishment, the wrath of God for our sins, so that the favor of God can be granted freely to anyone who repent of sin and trust Jesus as their Savior.
every inbound, every outflows, I don't even know opportunity to pray to King Jesus. He's not dead, he's alive, he's the Son of God, so he hears our thoughts and prayers. And everyone who calls upon the name of the Lord, they will be saved, they will be rescued from the sins and given the grace of God. And if you're ready to confess you're a sinner and receive God's grace into your life, would you pray this prayer silently from your heart to King Jesus? Say, Dear Jesus, I confess I am a sinner. And I need your grace. I believe you love me. You came down for me. And you shed your blood and died on the cross for all my sin. And I believe God raised you from the dead. Please forgive me. Grant me grace and come into my life. With every head bowed and every eye closed, I'm going to tell you whether it's your first day here at church or if it's your resilient day, the way in which we go public about our relationship with Jesus, that we've received His grace and mercy for the forgiveness of our sins. We go public with that by baptism. Baptism is when we go under the water and we say we believe and identify with Jesus' death for our sins. And when we come up out of the water, we say we believe and identify with Jesus' resurrection for the forgiveness of our sins and for eternal life. If you've never been baptized, mom, dad, son, daughter, niece, nephew, whoever here you are, give us the opportunity to talk with you about baptisms. On the side of that tear-off panel, check baptism, text the lead to our text and church member, go to our website, fill out the form, go public with your faith. The last thing that I want us to do, and we can begin this time of meditation, I want to read a prayer over our moms from Richard Baxter. And I would encourage you, our altar will be open if you want to come forward and pray for your kids or for whatever need you have. Feel free to do that. But I'd like to encourage you to pray the heart of what Baxter brings here for us. He says this, he says, Most gracious God, command your blessing yet upon your servant and her offspring. Let her not forget you and your mercies, but let her devote the life that you have given to her to your service. And educate her offspring as a holy seed in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. Let her and her house serve you, and let the holiness to the Lord be written upon all with which you bless her. Let her make you her refuge and habitation. Give her the ornament of a meek and quiet spirit, which in your sight is of great price. Let her not love the world, not mind earthly things. Restore her soul and lead her in the paths of righteousness that she must walk through the valley of the shadow of death. Let her fear no evil, let your goodness and mercy follow her all the days of her life, and let her dwell forever in your glorious presence through Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior. Amen. Will you pray the part of that prayer for your mom in this time of meditation? Meet me at the altar.
thank you for the wonderful privilege to gather here with the saints, with many of our moms. And we thank you for those with positive influences in our moms. We ask that you have blessed them this day. And Lord, I, I, I recognize, not fully understanding, but knowing that there's, there are folks here that this is a very difficult day. I'm just going to ask, just like you favor Mary, Lord, that you favor every woman here. Give her just a, a special spiritual infusion of your grace, an awareness of your presence, that these unexpected things happen, and that you have them. Lord, we ask that you may help us to honor our mother and father as you command us to. And then, Lord, I pray that the greatest thing that can happen this Mother's Day is for anyone to repent of sin and to trust Christ to save you. We ask that your Holy Spirit would grant repentance and faith that results in any redemption today. I thank you for the privilege of opening up your word and preaching from it. We love you. We ask that you bless us. We bless in Jesus' strong name. Thanks for listening to Mount Carmel Baptist Church's weekly Sunday worship service message. Mount Carmel is located in Demarest, Georgia. Please join us this Sunday at 11 a.m. To plan your visit, go to mtcarmeldemarest.com.